This is The Jerry Callahan Show. Well, it is our first official show as part of the Newsmax family here on uh, January 3rd. And I was feeling pretty good. I was... uh, Lot, lots, of, lots of fun stuff to look forward to. The Fauci files we're going to drop are going to drop later this week, and I am looking forward to that. That's going to be good. They caught the guy in Idaho. I think it's him, even though he's uh, claiming he's innocent. I don't think so. I, I think they nailed him. It's a pretty wild story. It really is. We got a uh, we got a crazed Muslim fanatic terrorist from Maine. You know, one of those typical Maine Muslim terrorists hacking. Uh, New York City police officers with a machete on New Year's Eve. Uh, We can get to some of that stuff. But uh, last night was one of those nights. Last night was one of those moments where you sit there and you say, I've never seen this before. I've never felt this before. It was beyond surreal. It was a uh, big, big Monday night football game. I was looking forward to it. We were all looking forward to it. The Bengals and the Bills, as good a game as you're going to get in the regular season. I think it could have been the most anticipated game of the 2022 regular season. And uh, it started off pretty good. You know, typical. These two teams are good. Two team, two quarterbacks are great. And then something happened that we've never seen before. We've never experienced before. And I say this all the time. I've been watching NFL games for 50 years. Uh, I've seen a lot. I've seen, I've seen a lot of injuries. You know, you've seen a lot of serious injuries. Hell, when I was a kid, Daryl Stingley got paralyzed uh, by a cheap shot from Oakland Raiders uh, DB, Oakland Raiders punk Jack Tatum. And, uh, and he never recovered. He was paralyzed for life. He died too young. It was incredibly sad and disturbing. We've seen lots of guys carted off, strapped in. They take, they cut the face mask off and they, uh, they strap them in. And occasionally you get the thumbs up. The players are rattled. The players are shaken. It takes a few minutes. They warm up, they play on. We've never seen a game canceled, just well suspended. Uh, because of an injury, but we saw it last night. If you missed it, uh, I don't know how that's possible. I really don't because it was the biggest story in the country. It remains the biggest story in the country. Uh, uh, Buffalo Bills defensive back, Buffalo Bills safety, Damar Hamlin, uh, young guy, 24 years old, sixth round pick from Pitt. By all accounts, just a terrific guy. We can get to his uh, toy drive for kids before Christmas. And that's, uh, that's an amazing story in and of itself, but he goes down a fairly innocuous hit. If you haven't seen it, he hit uh, T Higgins of the Bengals, but he got hit directly in the chest and uh, that caused cardiac arrest. And we don't know what it looked like on the field up close, but the players did the players, uh, I guess to, uh, to shield their uh, falling teammate or opponent, they they surrounded him in a big, uh, I mean, every single player was around him. And we don't know exactly how it looked, but it had to be extremely unnerving. They gave him CPR on the field. His heart stopped on the field. I'm going to assume they did what they often do. They, they, they cut the helmet away. They cut the clothes away, the pads. And the players watched this and as we're watching, you can't help but wonder, you know, what happens now? Do they take a break? Do they go? Do they do they warm up? Do they just say a prayer and continue on? Because that's what they do. 
That's what they've always done. They've never said, this is just too heavy, too serious to play on. You can't play on. That was a first, but they really had no choice. Do you want to know who canceled this game? I will tell you who canceled this game. The Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. If you were watching, there was nothing more uh, inappropriate and just irrelevant than people who on Twitter, on TV, on social media were saying, you know, you got to play. It's a, it's the NFL. It's too big a game. They're fighting for the first seed. There's no way to reschedule it. There was no choice. It, it really was a silly question. You know, what, what, when do they play again? People were asking on Twitter, do they play tomorrow? Do the bills stay in town in Cincinnati and play on uh, Tuesday night football, Wednesday night football? It's really irrelevant because they couldn't, they couldn't, you couldn't ask football players to go out there and play football the way they know how to play it. These are the best players in the world, the toughest, meanest, nastiest players in the world, the most physical players in the world. You simply could not do it in the condition they were in. And if you were watching, you knew it. We've seen guys get rattled before. Again, they've, they've, they've seen teammates. They've all seen guys uh, have neck injuries, back injuries, certainly ACLs, concussions, get knocked out cold. They've seen serious injuries. But like us, they've never seen this before. Some of them were crying. Some of them were just distraught. Josh Allen was absolutely distraught. Some guys on both teams were, were embracing each other in tears. Uh, it's in an odd way. It's what makes the game so appealing, what makes it so popular. That might sound grotesque, but football is the, the biggest, the best game we got. It's the, it's, it was a Monday night game on, on, on January 2nd, and the, the ratings were probably going to be record-setting. The, one of the reasons, I think the, most, the, 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 the primary reason people love football is it's dangerous. It's real. It's raw. It's violent. It's you could resume a basketball game after this. You, you really could. You could probably you could resume a baseball game after this. You can't resume a football game. It's why the Pro Bowl is so is, is so bad and has been changed, by the way, to a flag football game because you can't fake football. You can't play exhibition football. You've seen we've all seen preseason games. They're a joke. Um, if, if, if you wonder just how essential the violent element is to the game, try watching the flag football game they play in the Pro Bowl this year. Try watching kids. I've seen flag football games. Kids play them. I used to play it. It's not the same. It's not the same game. It's got skill. It's got, you know, long, you know, passes. It's got great offense, great runners, great athletes. It doesn't have the danger. The danger is what makes it so alluring. This was not, by the way, and this is this is going to become kind of a a, a point of contention, a, a, a something that we debate. This was not uh, exclusive to football. The hit on Daryl Stingley in you know a thousand years ago. Many of the hits we see, many of the concussions, we saw the hit Derwin James hit the uh, L.A. Uh, Chargers DB, the safety last week was a vicious football hit. That's unique to football. Did you know this, if it is indeed, and, and we're doing a lot of speculating here today, 
But that's okay because that's what you do when you watch the game. You ask things like, are they going to play this tomorrow? Are they going to reschedule? Or will this team ever be able to recover the 2022 Bills and Bengals for that matter? Will they be able to recover from what they've seen? It's a great question. I guess we will find out. But I heard one, and I've been watching this, <laughs> the fallout for hours last night. It was, it was mesmerizing watching this thing unfold, watching the coaches discuss what they're going to do, watching the players from both teams embrace each other. It was just so real and so, so unnerving and, and just so jarring. Um, and, and it left you with no doubt, no question that they're going to be affected by this. Of course, it depends on the condition of DeMar Hamlin and we can get to that. We can get to the latest on that, but, um, the, uh, the, the, the idea that this is football, this is what happens in football. I heard one expert say, this is more common in baseball, more common in lacrosse and soccer. Because what happened here was not like a a really vicious hit. It was not something that made you go, whoa, like the Derwin James hit. It was just a football play. He got hit from what we what we can uh, conclude with what we know so far. It was a direct hit on the heart. And that causes, I don't know, I'm not even sure how to pronounce it, commotio cortis, commotio cortis. It's a condition. And again, we don't know for sure, but it uh, sounds like it is uh, uh, sounds sounds about right. This, this condition where you get hit directly in the in the worst possible spot, and it stops your heart. Commotio commotio cortis is an often lethal disruption of the heart rhythm that occurs as a result of a blow of a blow to the area directly over the heart at a critical time during the cycle of a heartbeat, producing what is termed R on T phenomenon that leads to the condition. It is a form of ventricular fibrillation, not mechanical damage to the heart muscle or surrounding organs and not the result of heart disease. This is the result of a direct hit. It's not common. It is a one in a million occurrence. And it's happened again in other sports and other in other ways. And if you see it, you say that makes all the sense in the world. Cause it wasn't a particularly hard hit. It just happened to be hit. He just happened to be hit Tamar Hamlin in that spot, which makes again, we, this, there's, uh, there's uh, all kinds of interviews with all kinds of cardiologists and experts. And, and uh, here's one guy, Brandon Ashby, a vascular cardiologist in Miami explaining on Twitter, he writes, quote, the video of DeMar Hamlin from a cardiologist perspective resembled commotio cordis, a phenomenon that occurs when a sudden blunt impact to the chest causes cardiac arrest. Timely de- defibrillation, defibrillation is life-saving and prevents anoxic brain injury. This is why he was lucky, obviously, DeMar Hamlin he had all this all these people, these EMTs and doctors and, and all the equipment they needed to shock his heart back. Um, he's listed in critical condition and uh, there's a vigil outside the hospital in Cincinnati. If you haven't seen it, there's reporters, there's fans. There was a candlelight vigil with Bengals fans and Bills fans last night, late, late last night, but the hit occurred 
at 8.55 p.m. Six minutes left in the first half. Uh, T. Higgins was just kind of going on up the left side. Along comes Damar Hamlin, makes the tackle, gets up from the ground. You're not going to see this a lot today. You'll see it. It's online. But most of the news channels, ESPN, Fox News, CNN, uh, I was watching this morning, are all saying they're not going to show it again. It is pretty disturbing. He gets up and then falls back flat uh, on, on his back, and they start calling for the uh, trainers, doctors, EMTs. This is from the Buffalo Bills at about 2 a.m. They say he suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit. His heartbeat was restored, and he was transferred to UC Medical Center. I believe that's University of Cincinnati for further testing. He's currently sedated and listed in critical condition. And um, everybody, there's, there's a couple things, and I understand it's, it's a very delicate and unique situation, but most people are, are not going there. They're not saying, what happens if he doesn't pull through? What happens if he's already gone? It's, uh, it's not unprecedented. 51 years ago, there was a Detroit Lions player. That's how, uh, this is how incredibly the, the sport has changed. I didn't even know about this. I'd never heard of Chuck Hughes 50 years ago. Uh, Sunday afternoon in Tiger Stadium, the Detroit Lions against uh, Dick Butkus' Chicago Bears. He was a receiver. He suffered a heart attack on the field and died. The Lions were uh, in a two-minute drill trail, like 28-23. He enters the game, replacing injured Larry Walton, makes a 32-yard catch from QB Greg Landry of UMass for a first down at the Bears' 37-yard line. Uh, he has a heart attack and dies. I had never heard that story, but that was 50 years ago. That's before ESPN, before social media. And this was, I mean, he was not a, a, a great player, not a famous player, uh, a walk-on from Texas Western. I suppose we should know the name of Chuck Hughes. We don't, we do now, I guess. But everybody certainly knows the name of Damar Hamlin and everybody is walking on eggshells today because we don't know. We don't know what's, what's going to happen with DeMar Hamlin. I don't think there's any way of knowing. Maybe if you're in the, in the room, waiting room with the family or in, the, in, the, you know, in surgery, you might have a clue, but they're not going to come out and tell you. you know, it's, it's touch and go. He might not make it. But a lot of people speculating on what happens to this game. Again, secondary. Most people admit it's not important right now. It's certainly not the most important thing. But I'm just going to tell you what happens with this game, Buffalo versus Cincinnati, depends on what happens with Damar Hamlin. If Damar Hamlin somehow makes a miraculous turn and he's doing okay, he's certainly not going to play. But then you could say, you know, we'll re reschedule it somehow, some way, pick up where we left off. If he doesn't, you can't play this game. Hell, I'm not even sure you can play any games this weekend if. DeMar, if the worst case scenario turns out to be true for DeMar Hamlin. I think there's a couple of uh, a couple things going on right now that are sort of misplaced. One is, you know, blaming football, blaming football. And all morning, players, ex-players, commentators are talking about CTE and neck injuries and spine injuries and the, the dangers of the game. There's no question there's dangers of the game. Again, that's why it's so appealing. 
I've seen lots of serious serious season career ending injuries, but this was fluky. There's no other explanation for it. It's fluky that you get hit in that exact spot of the heart. If he has no heart condition, if it's not vaccine related, and we can talk about that later, but that's a a lot of the uh, conspiracy theorists. And let's be honest, they're not conspiracy theorists. They got a little more credibility than they used to have pre Fauci, you know, pre, pre the last, you know, COVID era, but a lot of talk about, but, but vaccines, we can get to that. It's really not the time or the place. I don't think we need to see how he does, how he does, but it was a fluke. It is a one in a million or one in 10 million shot that he gets hit in that exact spot and suffers. Have you heard, you know how to pronounce this iron head? I have no idea. That's why I've been like, Commodio cordis. Sounds like a reptile. Ooh, a Commodio dragon. Commodio cordis. But there's going to, and I understand it's fine. You want to talk about the dangers of football. I am here for that. I'll talk about it all day. I can't imagine what it was like for his mother. You've seen videos out there of uh, DeMar Hamlin's mother, very close to his family. Seems like a, just a wonderful guy. Uh, They are going through hell. It is, that is life of a football parent. You know, that I think that watching every game, when you see some young guy, a college game, pro game, it is more brutal now than it has ever been. With uh, no offense to the aforementioned Dick Butkus, but now they're bigger, they're faster, they're, they, they, they hit harder than ever. They make rules to protect players, protect quarterbacks especially, but there are times when you just say, man, the human body was not meant to take that kind of punishment. But there's a difference now than there was 10, 15, 30, 40 years ago, is that the dangers, the, the, the risk is pretty well known. They know the deal going in. They know that that any minute that could be their last play and they take that chance. They take that chance because it's a great game. It's the best game. The benefits outweigh the risks in my mind. And in the NFL level, they take that risk because if it all works out, if they get, you know, have a five, six, 10 year career, then they're set for life. Their family set for life. They understand they could be, the next Dennis Bird. They could be the next Ryan Shazier. They could suffer a career-ending injury at any moment, and they know that, and they take that risk. They know they could end up like Mike Webster or Junior Seau. They know the darkness could set in at a young age, and they could pay the price for the game they played, the game they loved. Um, That's understood. I, my, my son played football in college and it was difficult. He had a couple of serious knee injuries and it was heartbreaking. It just, it, it, it just breaks your heart. They work so hard. They train so hard. And at any moment it could end like that. And it does. And it was devastating to him, to me, to our family, but he's, he's, he's fine. He's, you know, got a knee problem, but he's living his life. I think the benefits for him, for me, for when I played a hundred years ago, I think the benefits outweigh the risk. I think it's the best game for building character. I think it's the best game for, for building camaraderie with teammates and relationships that last forever. You know, some of my best friends are my high school teammates today. And I'm not sure that would happen if not for football. Football is different than other sports in that it, that risk, that danger, it, it, that, 
that helps you build that character and that camaraderie. And I heard that from lots of players, you know, they know the risk, they're willing to take the risk because the benefits outweigh the risk. You wouldn't say that if you're Damar Hamlin's mother, but again, that's a one in a million chance. That's a fluke. This was not the result of football per se. It could have happened in soccer. It could have happened in lacrosse, which again, it's more common in those sports because they have that ball flying at them at hundred miles an hour. And if it hits that spot, then they end up with commotio cortis. Um, there's also uh, something else going on here. Uh, is this the, uh, we're looking at the uh, diagram explaining What's it explaining? Uh, it's explaining like uh, this is a rare injury for um, football because it's usually like an acute, um, you know, like a small object hitting the chest, not necessarily right. like. Uh, so it's just saying there, we're looking at a diagram of a kid, a baseball player who can get hit, put the ball in that exact spot. And you'll hear some talk of saying, oh, should have chest protectors now. But you don't, I mean, you don't wear a chest protector because there's a one in 10 million chance you get hit in that very spot. Uh, so it's, it's not unique to football. In fact, it's less common in football than other sports. And I'm okay. You want to have the talk of the discussion about the dangers of sport and the risk they take. That's fine. The dangers of football, but that this, again, this injury is not unique. This, this, uh, this impact, this trauma is not unique to the sport. So I don't think you say, uh, uh, call for some rule changes or, or, you know, let's, let's find a way to make it uh, less violent, less dangerous. That's just not, that doesn't apply today. It doesn't. I mean, you can try because we had a lot of, a lot of people talking about this and a lot of time to kill on ESPN and other, uh, other uh, networks. But I don't think this is re- it's really appropriate to say the sport's too violent. Let's change it because of this one fluky hit. Uh, we wish the best for uh, Damar Hamlin, but um, going back to the, just the uniqueness, this is what we do in sports. We try to compare things you know, every day, compare quarterbacks, different eras, players, teams, best team ever, best quarterback, best coach. There's, I can't come up with anything comparable to this. Hank Gathers, as we know, died on the court. He collapsed and died. He was a college basketball player, a good one at Loyola Marymount. That's doesn't compare to the Bengals versus the bills week 17 of an NFL season. When the NFL is, is riding high right now, Reggie Lewis died playing, shooting around, playing pickup. He collapsed and died uh, of a heart, heart problem. It's, it's, it's not the first time someone's heart has given out on the field, but it's the first time there's been, Oh, 10 million people maybe 12 million people watching it live. This is something we've never seen before, which is why it's going to have an impact like nothing we've ever seen before. And it's going to cause the entire season to have an asterisk because you tell me, how do you make up this game? How do you, again, it's not the first priority here. It's not the most important thing, but people are talking about it. People are asking this question. So we're going to ask it too. The game, again, it was in the second quarter. It was 7-3, to three, Bengals. Uh, they're calling it a suspension, not a cancellation, for obvious reasons. But how do you make it up? They play again. The Patriots play the, uh, the Bills this Sunday the, the team that, that in a crucial matchup. Then the next week, there's playoffs. If this were baseball, you just fly into the city, play a game, fly out. Basketball, same thing. 
football is unique and it's one and it's, and it's the best because you can't do this. You can't say, Hey, come on back. Bang, uh, bills. Come on back to Cincinnati uh, Thursday night. We'll finish the game. There's no way they're going to have to call this um, a tie. Uh, I can't come up with another logical solution because I can't see a way you could play the game. You can't postpone the entire postseason a week, I don't think, and postpone what the Super Bowl a week so you could squeeze this game in. It, it, it just doesn't seem possible. I think they call it a forfeit, a tie, whatever you want to call it. Put a big asterisk and 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 then the the Chiefs get the top top seed by a half a game instead of one game, a half a game. You got a better scenario, better solution? Let me know. I just don't see how else she can do it. It's just not possible. Yeah, they're talking about the Bills forfeiting the last two games of the season, not even just this one. Well, that's true. And again, that's not even worth discussing because we have to wait to see how DeMar Hamlin does. Again, if he pulls through, they play. They play and we turn our focus to the games and we say, we wish him well. He's out. He's, maybe he'll never play again. But you can turn your attention to the games if he's okay. If he survives, if he doesn't, you're right. I don't know how the Bills, I, I, I don't know how the Bills do it. I don't know how the league does it if he does not survive. Uh, they will, they'll find a way. You're right, the Bills might have to forfeit, but but do you give them a loss? Does the team get a loss because they're not mentally or emotionally prepared to play football? I'm not sure. That's why there's so much uh, attention on this. Because it's unprecedented, it's huge, it's the biggest deal in sports. I, I was sitting there last night watching, going, they would go, you know, Joe Buck, uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were in the booth. They didn't have much to say. They had their sideline reporter, Lisa Salter, and, and they had their local reporters. The guy, the local reporter in Cincinnati, his name is Ben Baby. <laughs> his last name is Baby. He was doing a good job. He was outside the hospital. I'd never seen him before. But they go to the studio and it's uh, Adam Schefter and Booger McFarlane with uh, whoever, or Susie Colbert. And Schefter's literally looking at his phone, as he always does, waiting for the latest news. And I am just riveted by this because he's sitting there looking at his phone, waiting to find out if a player lives or dies. And I couldn't turn away. I was looking, and then my son and my wife, my wife were like, are you just going to watch this all night? And I go, yeah, I am, because I've never seen it before. And any minute now, Adam Schefter might say, ooh, breaking, uh, the latest from the Cincinnati hospital on, on uh, DeMar Hamlin. There is no latest. He's uh, in critical condition. I assume he's... Uh, I assume it's not good, not great, but uh, we do not have uh, uh, any word beyond what we learned last night. He's in critical condition and lots of people are praying for him. Every player in the NFL, every team, every media person is tweeting out the little prayer hands and that's good. I don't know what else you could do. I just don't know how you play football, you know, anytime soon. Something has to, there has to be a turn for the better for the Bills to be able to strap it up and play football. And these are, you know, two of the favorites. These are the two of the best teams in the NFL, two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And you just added a variable that we've never seen before. We've never heard of before. Your teammate is in critical condition. He might not make it. Gee, 
you know, what do you think about their, uh, their, 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 their nickel defense, you know, their zone package. What do you think uh, this week, uh, uh, coach? It just will seem even more surreal if they attempt to get back to football. Uh, as always, there were a couple of uh, people that just wanted to, I don't know, looking for attention, to, wanted to be, you know, wanted to stir it up a little. And uh, our guy, Skip Bayless, who is generally the biggest douche in the uh, media crowd. Uh, this is, this was at 9.30 PM. I guess he's on the West coast. I don't know what time he actually, I think he tweeted at Eastern time, 9.30. It was fairly early. Mm-hmm. And he writes, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season, a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season, which suddenly seems irrelevant. Um, How they did it. The NFL's taken some grief because they initially said they need a five-minute break and told the players to warm up on the field. And I'm watching them going, a five-minute break? That's not possible. But I don't think they knew what to do. They probably were trying to get a hold of Goodell and everybody else and Troy Vincent and make a collective decision. And they were just delaying it. I'm not sure I'm going to kill the NFL for not canceling it. They canceled it at 918, which is uh, 23 minutes after the injury. That wasn't as quickly as it could have been, but it wasn't out of insensitivity. They just didn't know what to do. You know, they just didn't, they were sitting there going, uh, this has never happened. How do we do this? I'm sure some people were asking when we could reschedule it. And other people were saying, who cares? You can't worry about that. Now you can worry about that another time. So while you look at these players and they're distraught and they're just wrecked emotionally, you're saying, um, you're saying obviously they can't play, but but when when can they play? We don't know. We don't know when they can play. We will find out. Uh, our guy Turtle Boy was also trying to do the uh, you know let's get back to football thing because he likes to take pride in the fact that he goes to those you know those uncomfortable places and he does. But it was stupid. I mean, it was dumb. There was just no place for this discussion of how do you resume this game. Because the answer is, who knows? Who, who knows? We don't know. We don't know what condition their teammate is in. And if he doesn't come out of this, you expect the Bills to just strap it up and play this weekend? That's going to be a challenge. And uh, we'll be watching and playing the Patriots. But uh, this is a fluid situation. Hell, we're watching right now, waiting for the latest. Um, uh, oh, we can get to I wanted to get to that story about his toy drive. Yeah, we'll do this and then we'll move on. He has a toy drive annually in Pittsburgh. He went to Pitt. He's from the area. And it's just to help, you know, poor kids get some toys. His goal this year was to raise $2,100 to buy toys. $2,100. Overnight, the link to the charity was was tweeted out and sent out on social media. The number is now $3 million. People have donated $3 million for the uh, DeMar Hamlin toy drive in Pittsburgh. So I guess uh, there's some good to come out of it. And uh, I'm sure that's just the beginning, but next year, those kids in Pittsburgh, maybe they'll move, maybe they'll do something this year, but uh, that is a pretty cool outpouring. And it was pretty cool to see the uh, Bengals fans outside the hospital and everybody just kind of walking out of the stadium saying, there's no way 
no way any reasonable, rational person thought that this game could have been played. But we will see what they do about it. Again, never been done before. Never seen anything like it. Uh, but uh, we got lots more to get to on this January 3rd. Nothing quite as big as that, I, don't, I admit. But uh, a pretty wild weekend. And I was going to do my predictions. I might have to save those predictions. I got some good ones for 2023. Hell, it's uh, just this week is going to be wild. But uh, first, let me tell you about Birch Gold. Are the Biden administration's New Year's goals of tax and spend and turn a blind eye to inflation at odds with your goals of securing your savings when you've finally had enough of the games government is playing with your savings and retirement? Diversify into gold with Birch Gold. I know I'm tired of my money being impacted by stupid decisions by leaders in Washington. For over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, and stock market crashes. And here's the great news. You can still get it. In fact, you can own gold and silver and a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or a 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text the code word Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y, to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold. With almost 20 years experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals IRAs, Birch Gold can help you. Protect yourself with gold today by texting Jerry to the number 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews. Secure your future with gold. Start today with a free info kit. There's zero obligation to make this request. Just text Jerry to 989898. All right. Um, Elon Musk, again, an American hero. Um, he is promising later this week the Fauci files. And all I'm going to say is these people are defending Fauci in the media, obviously the mainstream media. They don't care how many beagles he tortures. They don't care how much money he sent to the Wuhan lab. They're going to defend their guy because, let's be honest, he did one thing above all else. I mean, he probably killed, led to the death of millions of people around the world funding the uh, research, but he helped topple the the big bad orange man and for that there will forever be in his debt he's now 82 and he's officially retired which is good news for america good news for beagles everywhere but later this week and if musk is anything it's uh he's a man of mischief he's been teasing for weeks just wait till the tw- the the, the uh, fauci files drop i can't wait i mean what do you think thursday about uh, dinner time, he's going to drop, and we're going to find out just how corrupt the evil elf is, and it's going to be wild. It's just going to be so good because I find great pleasure in watching the people, the mainstream media, his allies, supporters, his enablers. They, they, can't, I mean, the they, Kareem Jean Pierre talking about oh, his services is just amazing. He's done so much, and I'm sitting there going, "What have you paid attention? He's been wrong about everything." He was wrong about, or I don't know if he was wrong. He was lying about therapeutics. He was lying about masks. He's lying about shutdown school closings. He's, he now says he never said to close schools. He has, he is very comfortable lying. And I think we're going to find out through his friends at Twitter that he went above and beyond to silence anybody who questioned, you know, science since he is science. And it's amazing now if you're on Twitter watching, reading some of these doctors, some of these uh, authorities, Robert Malone and Peter McCullough, they were silenced for two years or more. 
And they're smart guys who offered another point of view and were generally right when Fauci was wrong. And they'll be there. Man, I can't wait to hear what they have to say. But we got to wait at least another day or two to uh, see the official dropping of the uh, of the Fauci files. And uh, we'll see if the mainstream media can do what they've been doing since uh, the first files dropped, what, a month ago, and ignoring it and pretending it's not happening but uh they, you know what that's probably what they'll do it'll be they'll they'll be of twitter there'll be something about uh, you know fauci has a has a, you know, dead body in his trunk and they'll say ah, it's a nothing burger it's a nothing burger that's what they're prepared to do that's what they've been doing for a month and i assume they'll continue to do it something else to keep an eye on and i don't think we're going to get into it today but uh if you missed it over the weekend i believe it was new year's eve the attorney general in um, Virgin Islands got fired. You know why? Because she threatened to sue Morgan Stanley for protecting Jeffrey Epstein. She is suing, trying to get the files. Uh, I assume that is part would be part of the discovery, trying to get the uh, the the uh, uh, Epstein files, and that's something. I'm going to give you one of my predictions that I have on my list. You want to is, tell, tell them so bad? <laughs> oh man. I mean, the more you think about it and we talked about this the other day, we've talked about it many times, but Jeffrey Epstein was connected to everybody. Mm-hmm. We know that media people, uh, you know, presidents Clinton, and uh, he was kicked out of Mar-a-Lago by Trump. I mean, he had, he, and he had files on everybody. He had videos of, of things that went on at, at pedophile Island and Jelaine Maxwell, Jelaine Maxwell got convicted of sex trafficking young girls to nobody. So she's doing 20 years. He's dead. He got suicided. And we don't have one name of one of these scumbags who was committing rape on Epstein's Island. Not one name. They're out there. The names are out there. The list is out there. So maybe I'm being optimistic, but I think in 2023, we're going to see that list. I know we've seen some fake lists which got me, you know, excited because they're, they're, they're wild. If the, if the real list is anything like the fake lists, that's going to be one of the two or three biggest stories of the year. But people know it. People know the list is out there. They know the videos are out there. They know there's a cover-up in progress. And I'm not sure they can hold the line forever. Eventually, somebody of good conscience is going to leak the list, and it's just going to be the wildest story. Maybe this... This woman, this uh, attorney general in the Virgin Islands who got fired for doing her job. By the way, she negotiated the settlement with Epstein's estate. She got $105 million and half the proceeds of the island when it's sold. So she seems to be pretty good at her job, but she's determined to get to the truth. And for that, we commend her and we hope this story uh, stays, because that's the biggest cover-up. That's the biggest cover-up of our lives, the cover-up of the Epstein list, the files. But uh, we do also, I did want to also talk about the Idaho story because this was a great uh, break. I was starting to worry. I know we've talked about it a few times. Starting to worry that maybe he gets away with it. It's one of those crimes, you know, that uh, never gets solved or gets takes years or there's, there's all kinds of rumors and maybe there's some suspects, but it never, and the family suffering just continues. And we all wonder how someone could commit such a barbaric act and 
not, you know, not get caught. It just seemed like he had to have left a lot of evidence behind. Uh, well, Brian Koberger, he's the uh, he's under arrest. He's in Pennsylvania, I believe. Today, he could waive extradition and get sent back for a hearing in Idaho, Moscow, Idaho, tomorrow. But I think we're finding out uh, a lot more about him. He's a, a PhD student in criminology in uh, Washington State, a teacher's assistant. There's been a few interviews with some of the students uh, that he that he taught. But uh, I think, and this is not confirmed, but I think he was probably obsessed with one or more of the girls. And you know what drove him nuts? Just my speculation here. They were so happy. They were so fun. They were just enjoying their lives. And he hated that. He was a miserable loner. And he stalked them and it just pushed him over the edge to see them enjoying their life when he was so miserable and probably couldn't get a date. That's my theory. And he was a criminology student who, who thought he knew how to cover his tracks. Uh, the story is he wore gloves everywhere. He got rid of the weapon. They haven't found the weapon. But he drove home 2,500 miles after the murder, after finishing the semester with his father. His father flew out to Idaho and drove back with him in that crappy little uh, Elantra. He got pulled over twice, once for speeding, once for tailing somebody, and apparently got a ticket and just kept going uh, after murdering four people in cold blood. But they say they have DNA evidence. They sound pretty confident. He's denying it and saying, you know, his family says innocent till proven guilty. We'll see what happens. But I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess they have him down cold and they're saying then they're not looking for anybody else. So he butchered four people and got away with it for a few weeks. But it's going to be good to see him uh, in court. They do, best news of all, have the death penalty in Idaho. So if all goes well, he will indeed face justice at some point. He's only 28. So uh, even if it takes, you know, 15, 20 years, Eventually, we will get to see, hopefully, Brian Koberger. Uh, it'd be nice if he confessed. It'd be nice if we didn't have to go through a trial. It'd be nice if his, if these four families didn't have to suffer anymore. They just got to him, uh, got to admit uh, he confessed. Maybe they'll make a deal and let him get life in prison. I hope not, because uh, the only justice here would indeed be an execution. But uh, but we'll see how it goes for Brian Koberger. Seems like pretty good detective work. It uh, just took a little longer than we would have liked, but they got him. And uh, he, we will see him today, I believe, in Pennsylvania court and tomorrow, hopefully, in uh, in Idaho. I always wonder, do you get a private jet for that? Or are they going to stick him in coach? <laughs> stick him in a middle seat between, you know, two big, between uh, Ironhead and, uh, and uh, I don't know, somebody else. Stick him, uh, but Tony Saragoose is no longer with us, right? No, R.I.P. Uh, Goose. <laughs> Goose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but I'm looking forward to it. They, they, they said they were tracking him for four days, following him around Pennsylvania, you know, following him to the grocery store where they saw him wearing the gloves. Uh, but uh, that will be good. If he, if he just, you know, says, I'm not going to put everyone through this trial. I did it. I was jealous. Those girls were so cute and so happy. I just couldn't stand it. Uh, it's interesting listening to some of the students, though, talk about what a tough grader he is. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> tough grader. Uh, but uh, good work by the by the cops. All right, a couple more things we got to get to. Do we have the uh, 
the El Paso reference from the play-by-play guy in the bowl game. Yes. This is the funniest story. But before we get to the the funny story, this is a serious story. And if you haven't seen it, I believe it's just breaking this morning. Dana White, you know, Dana, everyone knows Dana White, uh, uh, UFC president, fabulously wealthy man. The story I just read says he's worth $500 million. He gave Tucker Carlson a little tour of his office and he has like a dinosaur a skull and all these priceless, you know, artifacts. And he's just uh, very, very successful and generally popular guy in my world because he supported Trump. He, he never backed down. He was one of the great uh, heroes of COVID because he never canceled anything. He did. He went above and beyond the held, you know, fights in the Middle East and, and on, you know, islands, anywhere they could go with the government could not shut them down. He played through it, unlike the cowards and, you know, college football and, and local level, all the, the, the blue state governors, blue state mayors. He didn't bow down to the mob. He played on. He didn't let the, you know, the COVID crazies control him. So he was a hero through those times. And he's in many ways he's a hero. He's just a good, smart, hardworking entrepreneur from Boston who's made it big in Vegas. Well, that all changed last night. And if you haven't seen it, he's in a little bit of trouble. Dana White on New Year's Eve. What year? How many? How many? It was um, 2000 and uh, what year was the smack? Let me get it. A, uh, 2021. So that would be a year ago. Do I have that right? That this slap here? Yeah. Oh, I thought this was like from a couple days ago. Uh, I thought it was last year, but I'm going to double check. New Year? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, to, yeah. So, so New Year's Eve, just a few days, a few days ago. I'm sorry. I thought it was a year old. Um, double check that for me. Anyway, well, the fight, it's already been viewed more than a million times at five this morning. This video has been viewed over a million times. This is Dana White having a fight, an argument with his uh, wife on New Year's Eve in Mexico. Um, White can be seen slapping his wife at a New Year's Eve party and repeatedly trying to hit her as the pair get into a physical confrontation. Now, White uh, uh, has said in the past that if you hit a woman, you're done. You know, he doesn't have any tolerance for that. You know, obviously there's some domestic violence issues in his world, in the UFC world fighter. I mean, there's a lot of crazy people. So he has said zero tolerance for domestic violence. Uh, no, this was t- uh, anyway. It was from uh, this a uh, couple days ago. So it was just a couple days ago. He's, uh, uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, alcohol, but no excuse. He said she does hit him first. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> there it is. She smacks him across the left side of his face and he hits her back. Here's the problem. Uh, obviously a lot of problems with this, a lot of problems, but if he just did, if she smacked him and he smacked her back one slap, you know, that's bad. That's bad. This is much worse because he continues to hit her. Now what can happen to Dana White? I'm not sure. He owns the company. He runs the company. I know he's going to issue a big time apology. He'll probably, you know, go to marriage counseling, sensitivity training. I don't think you can force him. He can't get fired. Can he? I mean, they can't just say, this is inexcusable. You're out. 
He's very um, lucky that uh, it was filmed that she smacked him first. Because uh, I'm not obviously I'm not justifying what he did, but like you can see, he kind of. Uh, you know, it was like a push smack. It wasn't like a full blown. Well, have you ever thing. seen the video of Joe Mixon, the Bengals uh, running back in college? He was a freshman. I believe he just turned 18. It was the summer before his freshman year. And he's in the cafeteria at school. And he was in a lot of trouble. He, he remained in trouble, you know, for the rest of his college career and a draft day. It was a big issue. There was a big, you know, red flag because he committed domestic violence. If you look at the video, she smacks him hard right across the face and he just reflexively pops her. It's not excusing it, but it is a, a factor. It's almost just a reaction. And if you said initially Dana White just reacted, you get hit, you hit back. But then he keeps moving towards her. He's, he is moving towards her and hitting her repeatedly. I don't know the resolution to this. It's I don't all, know. It's all about controlling the cage, Jerry. So he's, he's proving to his fighters how you control the fight. Well, I don't know if you're in a public place on New Year's Eve and you're famous and there are cameras all around you. Mistake. Dana White, I used to think, was a really smart guy. And I don't, I mean, you got to be really drunk, like falling down drunk to do this in front of all these people. There are people trying to stop him, trying to break it up, trying to protect her. I'd like to, you know, obviously, we'll, we'll probably hear from her, find out if this is, you know, irreparable damage to the relationship. But. I will say this, it's a, it's an irreparable damage to his uh, uh, reputation because he had an excellent reputation among his people. You know, he was, he was a, an icon among his people, just uh, the, the, you know, the Joe Rogan's of the world. I'm not sure what Rogan will have to say about this or what the big, you know, uh, you know, the big uh, UFC fans will have to say about it, but that's tough. As he said, tough coming back from, uh, hitting a woman mm -hmm. and you just have to know better. You just have to know better doing it, doing it in front of the cameras when, when you're Dana White is just insane. Uh, so she's already said there was a lot of alcohol involved and they were both at fault, but that doesn't matter. Obviously there was a lot of alcohol involved and obviously she hit him. So uh, no one's saying she's uh, perfectly innocent here, but, you, hey, when you're the guy who said there's zero tolerance for this, uh, you got to live up to it. But uh, let me do Shay, and then we're going to get to uh, the latest in cancel culture. I feel like this story should have been done three years ago. But uh, a guy, a play-by-play, -play, a college football play-by-play -play guy's in trouble for telling the truth. This is uh, for you homeowners and home builders out there. Did you know that Shay Concrete has a huge selection of precast concrete steps? Of course you did. I've been telling you about this. this is the best thing. I think it might be the best thing they do is their precast concrete steps. Whether you're building a new home or you need to replace an old staircase in an old home, Shea has great values with designs for any home. Available in concrete, or you can customize the steps with beautiful stone, granite, or brick. A new staircase can dramatically upgrade the front, front entrance of your home. In most cases, they can remove the old stairs and have you walking up your new front steps within hours. Just like that. You call Shay, they come over, they take the old steps away, which, by the way, they're really heavy. That is a pain in the ass. They take the old steps away, they put the new steps. You can sit in the window with the AC cranking and watch it all happen. And when they're done, your house looks better and it's worth more. This isn't an expense. This is an investment in your home. Check it out. You can learn more about Shay's precast concrete steps at shayconcrete.com. And, by the way, you can also look for a job there. You can go to Shay Concrete 
or get on shakeconcrete.com. They're always hiring. It's a great company, a great place to work. Maybe it's time for you to upgrade your profession and go work for Shea. Check that out as well at shakeconcrete.com. Right, his name is Gary Hahn. He's the North Carolina State football play-by-play announcer. He's been suspended indefinitely, and you're not going to believe why. His team, NC State, was engaged in a defensive struggle in the Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, the Duke's Mayo Bowl is sponsored by Duke's Mayo, which I've never heard of, and I don't really want to. It's pretty disgusting. They, they dump it on the winning coach's head when they win the mayo and there were people in the stands eating mayo. It was really, uh, really nauseating. But anyway, they were involved in a defensive struggle. Han, who was covering the game on local radio, broke in to that game to update listers on the Sun Bowl. Sun Bowl was a pit against UCLA quote, and we'll play it. But he says to the Sun Bowl and amongst the illegal aliens down in El Paso, it's UCLA 14 Pittsburgh six. That's it. Right. Do we have the sound? That's yep. all he said. Let's, let's listen. And amongst all the illegal aliens down in El Paso, it's UCLA 14 and Pittsburgh 6. That's with 11.15 to go in the second quarter. Let's go to the sidelines. Tony Haynes. Well, NC State, uh, not a lot of depth in the secondary. Going- <laughs> I love that when they just move on. Yeah. <laughs> North Carolina State Athletic Director Boo Car- Corrigan said uh, said the uh, company Learfield, the broadcast company, said has suspended Wolfpack Sports Network play-by-play announcer from his agreement indefinitely following comments made during the bowl game. Now, I'm not sure. I'm looking for who was offended by this. I don't see anyone saying how offended they were, but he told the truth. If you've seen any images of El Paso, it's been overrun. It's been destroyed by the lawless Biden regime. They've literally uh, uh, released 84,000 illegal aliens in four months. It's not that big a city. It was a nice city, clean city. Now it's overrun. They're up and down the sidewalks. They're everywhere, sleeping on the street. He's telling the truth. It is among all the illegal aliens. They played the Sun Bowl. So what? I'm going to keep looking, find out who was offended by this. But uh, <laughs> yeah, apparently you still get offended by telling the truth in, in America. It's kind of sad, but uh, good luck to Gary Hahn. Let me know when they find the body because he's never coming back from this. Just saying illegal aliens, which, by the way, is the legal term for people illegally entering the country. <laughs> the guy the guy did nothing wrong, but what the hell? Since when do you have to do something wrong? to get canceled, but all right, we're going to get to, we're going to get to the Fauci files later this week. Uh, and, and we're also going to get to that, that uh, attorney general in the Virgin islands. That is a wild story, but that will do it for today. Good luck. My best, my prayers, my thoughts to Damar Hamlin. It was a really, it remains a really, really disturbing situation. And, uh, He remains in critical condition. We'll see how it goes, and we'll have all the latest tomorrow. But we will leave it there for today. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you, Ironhead. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is The Callahan Show, and we will do it again tomorrow. Shaking my head and thinking something ain't right. Is it just me? Am I losing my mind? Am I standing on the edge of the end of time? Am I the only one? Tell me.
Like the show? Leave a five-star review on Apple and Spotify.